At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. to the From the Shadows podcast. I am your host, Shane Grove. And um, since it's a, I'm recording this on a uh, federal holiday, I am not working. Unfortunately, Jason, the super producer, is. <clears throat> so uh, he is not able to join us today. I've already talked to him this morning. He's kind of mad that uh, that he is working. And uh, I get to frolic around and play in the uh, paranormal world, and he does not. But that's the way it goes. That's the way it goes. I, uh I, uh, I'm not going to make apologies for uh, being old and uh, having having a bunch of seniority and at the at my uh, post office job and getting to take time off. I can't do it. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be sorry. So so and if nobody gets their bills today, please remember, um, be kind to your mailman on Tuesday when you get all when you get everything double. So don't sick your dogs on them or anything. So with that being said, I want to remind everybody that if uh, you have a have a story you want to share with us, um, you can find us on the From the Shadows podcast Facebook page and send us a message or find uh, find us on our After the Shadows forum page on Facebook and send us a message. You can find me at Shane Grove Author on Instagram uh, or our From the Shadows podcast Instagram page. Or you can just go right to our website from the shadowspodcast.com and hit our connect uh, or contact uh, button and send us an email um, because we'd love to we'd love to hear your story and if it's something you want to share um, we'll uh, we'll try to get you on the air and and that brings me to today's guest who I uh, thankfully stumbled upon uh, one of the many great 
Bigfoot Facebook pages. There are. Um, and I reached out to her and she was such a delight talking to off the air. I was glad that she agreed to come on the air and share her rather incredible story um, that happened. I mean, it happened a long time ago, but uh, I, I feel blessed that she's agreed to come on and uh, talk about it. So without further ado, I'm going to bring Susan on the From the Shadows podcast. Welcome, Susan. Hi, Shane. Thanks for inviting me. Hey, um, I th- thank you. I hope I can do my story justice. <laughs> <laughs> I I think you'll be just fine. I know you're I know you're a little nervous and you're a little worried, but I think you're going to be just fine. Um, there's nothing to worry about. You're uh, you're with friends here on the From the Shadows podcast, so you'll uh, you'll be just fine. So so Susan, let's just t- take our listeners back to when this happened, where you were, and set up kind of like the circumstances that led to this. And then let's uh, tell us about your, you know, tell us about your encounter. Okay. Um, Well, I grew up in West Dallas, Wisconsin. And my, most of my family, my family was large. My mom had several brothers and sisters and um, everybody lived in West Dallas. So I knew all my cousins really well. And several of the men all worked at the same place too um so we saw each other a lot and my grandma and grandpa had this desire to obtain a resort up in crandon wisconsin and this is about 230 miles 250 miles north of the milwaukee area it's right smack in the middle of the upper part of the state um it's called forest county it's just gorgeous and they bought a resort on lake Patanga, and this must have been back in the 40s when things were pretty pristine and quite a few of the family members also snapped up some property. I know her her sister, who she was very close to, bought a property um, just uh, northeast of the of the um, resort, and so did her brother. And they built permanent homes up there. And then my grandma and grandpa had this uh, a house with a tavern, and they they serviced all the campers who were down at the dam and anybody who was in the area. And they had about eight or nine little cabins that were right on the lake. So everything was right on the lake. And then it always confused me as a kid because the front yard was toward the lake. The backyard was toward the road that went around the lake. And even at that time, I think before I was 10, that road around the lake was just a gravel road. I I used to think it was so cool because when you come around it, my dad would have to pull over if somebody else was coming. You always had to be very careful. And, um, all of us kids would be up there a lot together because there were so many cabins and many of the family members would come up to help out with painting. Every summer there was painting and work to do. And then there was enough cousins. We were all different ages from real little to teenagers. We would run wild because they didn't want us near the bar at night when people would come to the tavern or the men were playing horseshoes or whatever. So we had a lot of freedom and trusted with a lot. We were taught the ways of the woods I was very passionate about going up north, and um, anytime I could stay longer, as I start getting older, I would beg to stay because there was always somebody coming up there. You could always hitch a ride back home. If it wasn't an aunt or uncle, it was an older cousin who could drive. And um, my grandmother had to sell the, the, the resort when my grandpa died, and she moved she moved on to some of the property that she still had, and she rented out a few of the cabins for 
um, income. And she also had taken care of my two cousins that lived with her all through their grade school years. Their dad was always looking for work and it was better that they had a, a stable school life. And so we would always love to be up there to be with grandma and with the cousins. And I was about 12 years old. I'm pretty sure it was 1962. That was a long time ago. The road had been asphalted by then. And uh, Mike and I always would have so many adventures. I just thought Mike was so fun. He was my favorite cousin. Uh, we, you know, we were always out on the boat, go down to the dam. We would catch minnows, find warm, get a warm bed. We give them to the guys at the cabin. Sometimes they give us a buck or two and we just had a lot of fun. <clears throat> but back then, uh, my grandmother was kind of crippled. She had a hip problem. She always got around on crutches. She had no car. So if you had any food in the house, it was brought to us either by an aunt. Uh, her daughter had built a cabin next to hers uh, or her brother would bring it over. Somebody would always bring up food for her or go into town. And at that time, they didn't have like a big grocery store. They just had like a little mom and pop shop on the main street. So sometimes we kind of got along with what we had until somebody brought us something different. And um, her brother came over. This was my great uncle. And I was always kind of scared of him. He's kind of a gruff guy. But he came and surprised us. He had raspberries. And he said he got them from the railroad tracks. We were so excited because we had fresh raspberries. Well, we ate them all that morning. So we thought we were going to be heroes and uh, go pick some raspberries. Well, the railroad tracks were... I'm guessing maybe about half a mile, quarter, three quarters of a mile in from where our property was. Maybe it was closer where his was because it ran the length of that east side of the lake and went into town. There used to be an old, I think Crannon was known for logging and for sawmills. And um, that train was still running because when we would be in this little bay area, it would come kind of close to the lake and we could see when the train would go through. We probably would have been better off walking up that road and going in, but we went across from where my grandmother's property was. And it was horrible. <laughs> we tried to douse ourselves with some old mosquito spray and everything. It was kind of late in the afternoon when my cousin got this idea, let's go get the raspberries. We'll find the railroad tracks. And I remember my uncle, he said, well, if you guys go, you be careful of bears, especially sows with cubs, and you make a lot of noise, and be careful for hobos. That's what we called people who used to live on the tracks, and they, they, there were hobos back then. Um, I guess today you would call them homeless or derelict or whatever, I don't know, but we used to see them in West Dallas, too, because where I grew up, there were a lot of train tracks running through the town. And we would see them at the tracks. We always had to cross tracks to go to friends' houses or go to school. And um, so when we went into the woods, we, you know, I, I had debated with my cousin, well, should we go today? It's kind of late. I think it was about three in the afternoon. It was kind of getting late. So we sprayed ourselves down with what we could find with all the fishing gear in the garage. And I don't even remember if I had pants on at the time. I might even had shorts on. And the terrain was so horrible, the topography. And I can remember even if there was like a low area, we had to go across the road and then go to the railroad tracks. There was a low area. I can even remember getting soakers and we were making a lot of noise and we were screaming and yelling and <laughs> we're just having a good time. And there's one detail that I never wrote about. And when we were going in, I told Mike, I said, 
I think there's somebody over there. And now Mike was a couple years older than me. And, um, excuse me, I always thought he was so smart and so clever and he was very protective of me, you know, because he was used to living up there and stuff. He goes, no, 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 that's your imagination. There's nobody in here. There's nobody around. Who would be in here? I mean, we were in a really, really crummy, it was all brush. We were getting all scratched up. Mosquitoes were coming. But I thought I saw somebody and I thought they dipped down behind some like logs or brush or whatever. You know how you get that moment where you, your heart kind of stops and you go, oh, like that, you know. And he goes, no, no, you didn't see anybody. Nobody be here. So I thought, okay. We go in and we did find, we were near the railroad tracks. We did find them, finally. There was a clearing when we came by the tracks. And there were logs all stacked, cut. And I would say like the typography there, you know how if you ever go to like a gravel pit and there's rocks and stones and everything. And there were, the, there were raspberry bushes all over the place in this sandy soil. And we were picking raspberries like crazy. We were eating them. We had, we had two buckets. We went, his dad had a cabin and all the cabins, you know, were, had utensils and everything in them and furniture. And we went in and we had brought with us like a great big, like a, a tub with two handles on each side that you would maybe cook corn on the cob in or make soup in. We had one of those. And then we had another one. They were real, like real thin tin that, that would bend easily, you know, the big, big ones and then we had one that had a handle a bigger one with a handle and they both were that thin tin and we were filling them up and we were eating about as many berries as we were putting in the buckets and then we decided well we better get back because it's starting to get late and the mosquitoes were just getting so horrendous that it we weren't being protected anymore with whatever we sprayed on us and we were all scratched up so we were getting tired and what had happened was we got disoriented we we walked in a circle and I understand that happens to people a lot when they're in the woods we probably ended up taking like the easier route we didn't go through all the thick stuff we went through to get there and we circled right around and I says we were here just this is where we were you know there we came right back to where the logs were and we were arguing then by that time we were tired and that and we didn't know which way to go and I said I'm not going this way again and I says well where are you going to go I'm not following the railroad tracks we knew to stay off the tracks and not only that we knew that the railroad tracks went east from the lake they went away from where we needed to be my grandmother was near the end of the lake sort of at the south end of the lake and we knew the tracks went different direction plus not only that I didn't feel safe walking tracks if a train would come or something it just you know scared me so he says, we're going this way. And I says, no, I can hear the boats. I can hear the boats from the lake because it was starting to get late in the day where the men go out for the night fishing. And, you know, if you've ever been in the North Woods and that there's like a certain time of the day where the lake gets really calm. And when the motorboats go out, you can hear the motors going out. The guys going out with their little fishing motors to go out to fish. And you can just hear that. And it's just so distinct. I thought, oh, it's getting late. We got to get home. I says, no, no, the lake is this way. And, and then we're trying to figure out where the sun was, according to the way it sat at the lake. And he kept saying, no, no, that's an echo. You're hearing an echo. And my cousin would always say, I never forget this. According to my calculations, that was what he always used. He says, we got to go this way. <laughs> so I got really stubborn. By this point, we were fighting. Like we were arguing, fighting mad. I was, I was fuming mad. I was bit up. 
I was just so frustrated. I was so frustrated and I was scared. I thought, how are we going to get out of here? Was it just such a terrible terrain to get through again? You know, back then you didn't have two or three pairs of sneakers. I probably had a pair of kids on, you know, and they were all wet and muddy. And that's the same pair of shoes I was going to be wearing, you know, up there. And I was up there alone, too. I forgot to tell that detail. I Did I say that I went up there on my, by myself? And on a, um, I, took a, I took a bus, which was another whole adventure, a different story. So I was up there alone. My parents were not up there. And they were starting to give me a little more freedom. And I went up there alone. So I was alone with Mike. So I was scared because it was just Mike and me and grandma in this house that she was living in where she raised the kids. And we were, I was really concerned if we were going to get back. You know, I mean, I figured we might spend the night in the woods. So he said, I'm finding a better trail. He says, I'm going this way. And I thought, no, Mike, that's the wrong way. So I stubbornly stood my ground. And I remember leaning against a stack of logs that says, I'm not going. And I just folded my arms and I said, I'm staying right here. I'm not leaving. And I thought, he'll come to his senses. He'll come back to me. Well, I remember seeing him dip down under this. It looked like a, like an animal game trail or something. And he took off. And I'm standing there fuming. And um, I would say about 100 feet, I would guess. I'm just, I'm trying to determine from like how far my yard goes back at home here now. It couldn't have been more than 100 feet, 120 feet on the perimeter uh, where the bushes started to fill in in that. There was all this rustling and um, branches breaking and muffling going on. And I got really scared because there was like a dark figure there. Something was there that was big. And I just gasped. You know how like your heart almost stops? And I thought, oh, my God, I'm going to be mauled by a bear. And here, all the noise we made coming in and all the things I was taught, I couldn't find my voice. I, I was so scared. I thought either I'm going to be mauled by a bear or maybe if I just stand here real quiet it'll leave. It'll just see me or it won't even see me. It'll just go away. Because we were very scared about bears because of um, the raspberry bushes, you know, uh, that they would be eating berries. So I couldn't breathe. I just, I just stood there. And then all of a sudden, something goes running. There was like a a row of bushes real long all along the, uh, I was closer to the, the tracks and then there was all the bushes were there, brambles. Something was running below the bushes, like, like a person was ducking and running. And I start yelling, Mike, that's not funny. I thought he like circled around and he was going to scare me. Because I remember saying, it's not funny, Mike. And I'm yelling at my cousin, you know, to stop teasing me. And this thing leaped, this creature leaped from one bramble to the next. And I remember seeing his face, almost like when a person gets caught with a flash photography, like in the olden days, we'd have like a little flash, little camera and it'd flash and his mouth was open and his eyes were wide open and his arm was out and he leaped across and then all of a sudden he stood up and he was like right in front of me. There might have been bushes between us. I can't remember that part of it. But he stood up. It was about the size of a man. 
It was a man sized. I, I can't tell you how tall he was. I was 12 years old at the time. And I remember I was 12 years old because I'm pretty sure my cousin came up that summer to stay with grandma because we didn't like her to be alone. She couldn't get around well. And uh, she was trying to stay in her house as long as she could. And I think he was staying up there that summer just to be with her, even though his dad had remarried and they were going to be moving to Port Washington. So I'm pretty sure I was 12 at the time. I was a skinny 12-year-old. And here was this man figure standing there. In some of my writings that I sent into some of the, the Bigfoot forums, I might have underestimated how close he was because I thought maybe people would think I was lying. You know, I was trying to think. He, he had been so close because like as close as you and me standing in a room together, you know, five feet, 10 feet at the most. And he well, looked at me. That's pretty, it's pretty close. <laughs> he was very close. Now he could have been down lower than me. I don't know because you know, everything kind of going up a hill, but I would say he was, you know, you hear about these stories of these creatures being 12 foot tall, nine foot tall. He was man size, but you know, a regular big man, a, a man sized person was there, a being. I didn't know if I was looking at a man or a gorilla. I didn't know what I was looking at. And that was what was so shocking. I, I couldn't hardly say. I just stood there. He looked at me. He turned his head like he cocked his head. And I, I could see his face so plainly. I can describe his face perfectly to you right now to this day because it was such a moment. And he had his hands like cupped in front of him. And he took like a, he either leaned forward or he took a step forward toward me. And I remember saying to him, I remember saying something like, no, 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 no. Because I'm thinking I'm in this, I'm alone. I'm isolated. I was old enough to know I was in a very vulnerable position. Because if this was a man, what could he do to me? I mean, we were taught that we were very careful. I walked all over the city, rode my bike all over the city where I grew up. So I knew, be smart, you know, guys will pull up in a car or something, you keep walking and all that, you don't pay attention to them. So I, I was aware of all that stuff. I you know, thought I was older than what I was at, that, at 12. But I was still a little girl. I was, you know, very vulnerable. And he, he like, he, his lower lip came up he he moved his mouth up like a man had chew in his mouth almost like a or no teeth in their mouth he had that expression where his mouth moved like he had um dentures or something like no no teeth in his mouth and when i started screaming no no and then i thought i'm all alone i started screaming for mike kind of like how um you know, when you, when we were kids, we all had landlines. And if some man would call, you always picked up the phone. If some, we didn't have eye collar ID, this was in 1962. This was a long time ago. And we pick up the phone, you would yell for your dad. Dad, somebody wants to talk to you or something like that. You'd always yell out for your, a man in the house. And so that's what I did. I started screaming, Mike, Mike. I started screaming, Mike. And that's when the guy like darted and disappeared. But he was standing there for a long time and he had his hands like cupped in front of him. And I don't know if he was asking me to give him something or if he was just naturally standing that way or if he wanted to show me something to entice me. You know, it, I, but I remember his hands. And his hands were very dirty, his fingernails. You know how like I kept telling myself I must I didn't know if I saw a gorilla 
or if I saw a hobo because the I've seen hobos in at that time and they were very sooty and very dirty. And that's how his fingernails were. His hands were real dirty. His fingernails were real dirty. And his skin, his face was very leathery. I would describe the color. I didn't know if I was looking at a person who was sooty or if they were just very leather tanned, leathery tanned. Um, his skin was dark, very dark. Um, I can remember it was like a man without a shirt on because I remember seeing like his clavicle area, like his chest. But he wasn't like one of these big specimens, you know, that you'd see pictures in a book with these big, like when I look at pictures of Patty, she's very handsome to me, like very big and thick, you know. I think, you know, our conversation, you told me she was only like 6'3", and I think I saw on TV the other night, they figured the same story that you had said, that she possibly was only like 6'3". I don't think he was taller than Patty, but he wasn't built as thick as Patty. But I remember his forearms, his forearms were, I, I assumed it was a man because there was no shirt, and, you know, he didn't have any clothes on his chest, and he had these big forearms that were very, very hairy. And I would describe him as sinewy. Now with my adult language, that he was sinewy, I wouldn't have had that word back then, but that's how I would describe him. He was muscular, but sinewy. And I, I remember seeing the bareness through his hair on his chest and he was very hairy, like on his shoulders, like frizzy hairy, like a, like a man, like a real hairy man who didn't shave. And the hair on his cheeks, he had like, he had he had cheeks, but he had like real disheveled, like a man who hadn't shaved and his hair grew all different directions, like disheveled around his cheeks and his, his face. And um, I can't remember. His hair was like kind of long all over, like just disheveled. And he looked sooty and dirty to me. That was that's why my mind couldn't describe what color he was, because he, I didn't know if he was dirty or if he was tanned to dark or if his skin was dark. Um, it, he had a very, um, big brow, his forehead very, and very, like his eyes were kind of sunken. And I knew what a gorilla looked like because growing up, I, being in West Dallas, Milwaukee County had put up a brand new zoo. And one of the first exhibits that they had open was the monkey house. And they had the gorilla. They had a very famous gorilla there named Samson. And when I was nine, 10 years old, we used to actually ride our bike up to the zoo and just sit for hours and watch Samson because he would just sit there and stare at everybody. He was in this small cage. It was very sad, but he would just entertain himself with looking at people. And this guy had the same kind of eyes as a gorilla. They were very dark and very like liquidy. You know how like an animal will have the liquidy, like it, it was, they were brown or whatever. I don't know what color exactly, but they were dark and they were very liquidy and shiny because they were dark and you know the sun was there and I could see the the liquid in his eye and um his his chin was more like a chimp or a gorilla but he didn't have that real massiveness like a gorilla he was more he was more skinny and sinewy and um the the biggest thing that confused me, he had a nose that was very bulbous, a, a real nose, like a human nose. And we were close enough that I could see veins on his nose, not red veins, but like the skin was raised, like there were veins on his nose. 
like a man who drank a lot. That's what that's what I remember the impression I had when I saw him at that age that he was he had a nose like a man that had like a lot of veins on his nose because the skin was raised like in like a vein pattern on his nose. Uh, that nose just sticks in my head. And lately there's been pictures coming out. I, I, I had told you once before, this is kind of funny because I almost wish I could take these internet pictures and tear up pieces and put it together to make my being that I saw. I call him a forest person because he wasn't a gorilla. He definitely was some kind of a man. And I want to put the pieces together, what I saw, because that, that face is so burnt in me and how he cocked his head and how he looked at me. And then he moved that mouth up, that expression, like he crunched his mouth. And when he did that, his face kind of crunched. He, he had an appearance of being an old man. He was ugly, but cute at the same time when he made that expression. I can't explain it. You know, almost like ugly, cute. Like he, he didn't look he didn't have a menacing look like I'll see pictures and they'll have this real mean menacing look, you know, how like a gorilla can have that stare. He didn't look mean, but he was homely. He was very homely almost to the point of being cute when he made that expression and he cocked his head like that. And then when I start going bonkers, he took off. I don't know if he went down or if he just started off. I might've even closed my eyes at that point. Because then that's when Mike came running out. He heard me screaming like a maniac. And I think I was flapping my arms. I was just like trying to shake it off. I was just hysterical. And then when Mick, when Mike came out of the woods from the path he came from, I got even more hysterical because I knew it wasn't Mike there. It was somebody else. And... I don't know. Is there anything more you want to know about the description? Because I can see his face so well to this day. I'll never forget his face. Well, I, I think, I mean, you've done an excellent job of, of describing what you saw. Because, I mean, I think you've, like you said, it's probably pretty ingrained in your memory. But I, so, but I did want to ask as far as like from the from the like waist down, did you get a good look at like was his were his legs all hairy? No, I did not. I if I did, that's not in my memory, and I don't want to embellish my story or make up anything. I'm trying to remember everything as I saw it as a 12 year old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't say that I saw genitals. I didn't see breasts other than what I would uh, what appeared to be a man's chest type chest. Mm-hmm. You know, with the, the the chest muscles. But like I said, I just remember he was so hairy. But I had an uncle who was also very, very hairy. So it's like, that's why I associate this has got to be a man. Because he was very hairy on the arms. Like, he had thick hair in his arms. Um, I think it was kind of a brownish red. Because he was in the sun. We were in the sun. The sun was kind of starting to set. We were in a clearing. And it was still hot. You know, it was... By that time, I bet it was like maybe five o'clock when I saw him, somewhere around that area, five, six o'clock, because we knew then we had to get our get out of there. We had to figure out how to get out of there. Maybe it was closer to six because we had already taken like a bad turn and we ended up back to the tracks. We went, we just, the topography just led us right back to the tracks, I think, because we, you know, it was, we went through some pretty thick stuff, which was stupid. We should have quit before we were ahead. This thing this thing looked like a gorilla. That's what was so confusing to me because, and the the thing that scared me, I think if I, if I would have known, we didn't know about Bigfoot back then, at least I didn't. Um, I'm reading some of the stuff now as an adult. I know 
Bigfoot might have been talked about in North Pacific Northwest, but we didn't know what Bigfoot was. I never heard of Sasquatch or Bigfoot at that time. And that's what so confused me because I saw something that looked similar to a gorilla, but it was a man's face, you know, like a man's face, like the way he looked at me and the nose, the nose was, was a human nose. Um, but he had that deep set eyes, very deep set eyes with the heavy brow. And um, I'm trying to think if there's another detail I could, I can't tell you so much like what he looked like from the backside or anything like that, because I'm pretty sure I either turned or I closed my eyes or something. I was just, I was hysterical. Then I started screaming for, for my cousin because I knew, I knew I was vulnerable because there was this man standing there. And the weird thing about it is if there's a man who was in the woods, I mean, we were in an area where nobody was around. People just don't go plowing through the woods like that to, you know, go through loamy, wet soil and all that to go up to the railroad tracks. We were, we, we did it a stupid way. We were kids, you know. Don't you think a guy would have kind of sauntered up to me and would say, hey, sweetheart, are you lost? Or, you know, do you need help? Or, you know, anything like that. You well, that's you approached me. I mean, I gotta be honest, that would have been my move. You know, I would have been like, hey, baby, you know, yeah, maybe yeah. he's just maybe he just wasn't sophisticated, you know, and, and now, well, I don't think know? so, because it was weird, because when I when you know, the way he approached, I, looking back, I don't know if that was a warning the way the the I thought a bear was like, like um, foraging for something, you know, because all the sticks were bright. It was very noisy. He was very noisy at first, but then he ran, either bent over. I wouldn't, at the time, I wouldn't know if a Bigfoot ran on all fours. That could have been a possibility. Now, from the reading that I do, I don't know. But I saw the backside, like a dark person, a figure, and that I, I thought somebody was running crouched to scare me. But I think he just wanted to see me. I think he, I think he was curious. That that's the impression I have now, looking back, and I feel very privileged that I got to see him. And I really wish I could like re-experience it now as an adult. But um, my breath was taken away. I I was like I couldn't breathe. I was just hysterical because I think I was more afraid of some creepy man attacking me or grabbing me or something like that. Um not knowing that there's such a thing as a forest person possibly, or some type of a cryptid or, or ancient people. I, I don't know. I, I had no knowledge of that. Is and, it, isn't that, isn't that, isn't that kind of crazy that to think back and think that, that you would be more scared of a man than you would be of something that was, uh, you know, like a Bigfoot type creature. That's actually, that's actually true because I, I was never afraid of the woods. We, we played in the woods. We used to, my cousin knew kids that own horses and we go and if we paid, the mom would then let us take one ride. And then at the end of the day, we would take the horses out in the woods. They had trails through the woods. And then my, the boys used to love to run the horses because the horses never got off the trail and the horses enjoyed it. I mean, we spent a lot of time in the woods. We spent a lot of time on the lake. We did, we had a lot of freedom. We just we had a lot of fun. That was, I was passionate about the Northwoods. I loved it. I used to, um, there was, after my grandma sold the cab, the uh, resort, there was a small woods even between the house, the, the, the lots that she kept to build her house. 
and the resort. And I used to just go in there and just sit and listen to the animals and stuff. You know, there were foxes and I seen a lynx come through there with babies. I was never, I would just freeze and just let them do their thing. You know, I wasn't, that's honest, honest to God truth. I thought it was some kind of a weird man. And the funny thing is now this is really a, a bad comparison, but you know how like when you see the movie with Johnny Depp where he's Jack Sparrow and you look at him and you're not quite sure what he is because he's got all the hair and all the dingleberries and like he's yeah. got the black eye, the black eye shine in that. Like, what is this guy? That's kind of how I felt looking at this thing. It's like, what am I looking at? I didn't know what I was looking at. And I kept telling Mike, Mike, I saw a gorilla man, some kind of a gorilla, but, but he, he was upright. He didn't, he wasn't like big and huge. Like Samson was like through the neck and short. He wasn't short and squatty. He was more sinewy and lean. He was tall. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C., at Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. He is he was muscular, but he wasn't like massive like more he, he was more athletic looking. Yeah, yeah. We we had this huge gorilla and he didn't have the short legs, I don't think, because he was just standing there. But like I said, I don't think I saw him from the waist down, or maybe I wouldn't look. I don't remember. But I was afraid because I thought it was a man and I was vulnerable and I was isolated and I was already lost. I didn't know how to get out of where I was. And I didn't know where Mike was at the time, whether if he really took off without me and I was going to have to figure out how to get back myself. I didn't know. But the thing was, I was, I was so, before I saw this being, I was like really mad at my cousin and very stubborn. When he came to me and I don't, I don't remember if he saw anything dash off or not. He didn't actually see the being, but he could see that I was a basket case and I, we were very, very good pals, but at this age, he wasn't like affectionate to me physically. I'll never forget. He grabbed me and he grabbed my head to calm me down and he held my head against his chest. Mike was kind of tall. I remember he, he, 
he did the sweetest thing. And at, at 12 years old, you don't want to be a baby or anything. And he did that to me. Like I was like, I was a six year old, you know, like he just knew he had to do something to bring me to my senses. And he held me real tight against his chest. And I just thought that was so nice of him. And he grabbed both my hands. He says, come on, I have a better way out of here. We got to take this other path. And he grabbed both my hands and I completely relinquished, relinquished myself to him at this point. I says, okay. And I just went with him. And what he found was like, a, there might've been from the workers, like a, a trail, cause it was like a, a double road. Um, the earth was packed down, like, like double rutted, like as if they had Jeeps or something, trucks coming through there. And that's what he found when he went dipped under these trees, which I thought was a game trail, but maybe that was the way that the guys came in by the, the logs that they had there at one point. And it was part of it was even like some gravel was laid down as we kept going and we kept following that. It was a much easier way out. And at this point, we were so scared. It was starting to get dark. And I kept telling him what I saw. And he says, well, you know, there's no gorillas in Wisconsin. That That's impossible. You know, he, he kept telling me. I don't know what you saw, but you know there's no gorillas. You didn't see a gorilla. We're going to get out of here. We're going to be fine. So what we kept doing was we were hitting the kettles together. We had, What had happened was the raspberries were getting all squishy. Like you're not supposed to pile raspberries up on top of one another. And by this point, I could have cared less about bringing any raspberries back and being any hero for breakfast the next day. And the raspberries were all squishing down. And so I we dumped the raspberries out because they were heavy and mushed. And so we start clanking the the um, the pots together as we were walk going out, and we we're partially running whatever I could do. We were doing. I was just so exhausted, and um, that came out at like a. We finally came out to like a farmer's field where you could see where the the trucks had gone over the the grass. The grassy area was all kind of beat down from the trucks and stuff going in and out. And we came to a gravel road that was being prepared for asphalt. It was like all gravel. And like I said, at that time, most of the, the roads around the lakes were just newly being asphalted, you know, by the time I was 10 or so. And before that, there was, it was all just gravel roads all around. And um, we followed that gravel road. We kept hitting the pans on the gravel road. It was starting to get dark. And finally, that took us to an asphalted road. And Mike figured out where we were. We were headed toward the dam. Uh, Lake Matanga. Did I mention the lake name? I don't know. I was so nervous in the beginning. I don't know if I even said the right <laughs> things. This is, did I say Crandon? Is that? Did I say where we were? Crandon, yeah. Wisconsin? Yeah, lake did, Matanga? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's Lake Matanga is a um, spring-fed lake. And so... There was a dam, and that's where all the campers would go. It was really cool back then. They didn't have it, it wasn't a, a state park like it is now where you can hook up your RV and take a shower. People just camped with tents. And, and it was a fun place to go as kids. So he knew where we were going. We spent a lot of time down there. So we had to walk up that road to get to the dam. And then the dam, there was a road that went around the lake. Um, I think it was called Lakeview Street that led to my grandma's house. And my grandma's house was probably, I would say, maybe a mile from the dam. It was shorter if we took a rowboat, if we walked, felt like walking. It was about a mile walk. But now, by the time we got to that road, it was it was dark out. And when you're in the North Woods, there's no street lights. There's no, the only light you have is if you have moonlight or sun or starlight, there, it was pitch black. 
it, it was so black. I remember that. And we were singing 101 bottles of beer on the wall and making all this noise because I was worried about coyotes and stuff. And we were banging the pots on the road coming in and we were galloping. I was so tired. We got home. It had to been, it start, it, it finally got really dark up there at like 8.30, quarter to nine, I think. I think that's about the time we finally arrived home. That's how long our little excursion was because by the time we took that other route out, we must have like wandered around those woods and put on about four miles, I would guess, four or five miles by the time we got back to the house. And um, I remember my grandmother was so mad that we didn't have raspberries. She didn't know where we were. She was a little nervous because like I said, I was up there without my parents for like the, you know, came up on my own, was going to like hitchhike a ride home with somebody cousin or uncle or aunt who would come up to check on grandma and um we didn't eat supper she put supper away she was mad she had cooked for us I had such a stomachache anyhow because I was so upset and I had eaten so many berries and then what had happened that night she had a two-car garage my grandma did not have a car because she was crippled and she no longer drove so she did not have a car so in the garage they had she had all like all this old furniture they had like secretary type furniture and she had some couches and tables from some of the old cabins and that and people would drop off stuff for her to use in the cabins and we made that kind of like our game room and we'd play games in there and cards and stuff. And we sat up really late till about midnight. I couldn't go to sleep. I was just so upset. And every time I like put my head in my knees, I would see that face and I was so upset. And then for, I think I was up there uh, without my family for about another week. I was very depressed and very sullen for like two days, two, three days. Mike was really worried about me because I was, I would dream about him at night this creature at night, I'd see him in my dreams. And then I didn't want to do anything. I didn't want to go out on the boat. I didn't want to go anywhere. I didn't want to go down to the dam. He was very worried. And he kept saying to me, Sue, you got to snap out of this. You got to forget about this. Just forget it ever happened because you're not going to be okay. And the thing was, I think the important thing was we made a pact. We weren't going to tell anybody. And I wanted to set up how important this up north experience was for me and how much freedom we had because, and I don't know if I did a good job of that, but we didn't want anybody to know that we were lost because we get our freedoms taken away. And like I said, that was the first time I went up there on a bus by myself. Um, you know, my mom thought I was old enough and we didn't want to lose that trust that we couldn't take care of ourselves because we did a lot of fun stuff with the boats we were always on the boats alone fishing and, and so, and Mike, Mike's dad would come, you know, on the weekends to see him or check on his mom and stuff. And he was so worried of the wrath from his dad because he felt responsible because he was like three years older than me. Plus he lived up there all through his grade school years that they would say, well, you know, better, you, you know, like he was really worried about what his dad would say that, that he didn't, um, use his head when we went into the woods. So I couldn't say anything to anybody. And I remember I asked my grandmother, says grandma was there. Like they used to every once in a while have a fair or a circus was come through or something. And she'd be so proud and brag about it would be in the local news. Crandon only has like about 2000 people. They did then back then. And they still do today. It's a very small town. And she would be so proud and a couple times we had attended, like if there would be a fair, some small carny would come through. And I had asked her if there was any circus that had come through 
Because I actually thought maybe there was some gorilla that got loose. That's so why I kept saying to Mike, I kept saying, maybe there was some gorilla that got loose. He goes, no, no, there wasn't. And Grandma says, no, there's no, there hasn't been any circus. We haven't had any carnivals here for a while. We haven't had anything. Because I kept asking her, but I couldn't tell her. And that was the reason why we kept it so secret, was because we didn't want to lose our freedom. And we didn't want to look stupid. And not only that, I had an older brother who was like seven years older than me, and he was the biggest, biggest tease. And if I would tell them, my family, that I saw this thing in the woods and got the scare of my life, my brother would have never stopped teasing me about that. They would have made so much fun of me. So, so, so when was it that you, well, number one, realized what it really was that you saw and that it wasn't just some wild man out there and that you then were able to like tell your parents yeah i don't think it was just some wild man just because of the ins like what happened like where it behaved like a bear like with all the cracking of the the you know what man would do that it was like he was like cracking all this stuff and he was well i mean i mean at what point were you able to like figure out what you really saw i mean because because when you were just when you were describing i mean you obviously when you were in the moment and young, were trying to put it into some box and couldn't, couldn't really right. like figure out what it was. And, and so at what point were you really sure of what it was that you saw? Okay. You know how you keep secrets? Like I kept this a secret to my family. Oh, and I did want to mention too, before I tell you about that, when I went home, this still bothered me for a really long time. I say for about two weeks, I had nightmares about this guy for about two weeks and I still didn't, I still didn't tell anybody in my family because I feared being teased. You know, it wasn't worth it to me. And I thought, I won't say anything because that'll ruin my chances to go back up there again on my own, you know, hang out with some cousins and come home with some cousin, you know, like you try to extend your stay like one, two, three weeks if you could. And when I, in 1967, here we go, the famous Patterson-Gimlin film came on it was all over the news i was 17 years old and it was on the news what was seen in california and my mom and i were watching the news and it must the the newsreel kept going a couple times you know and i caught my breath i says mom and this is when i confessed to her because you know when you're older you think you can spill the beans and tell your mom do you know what i did when i was little i said mom this is what I saw when I was with Mike. And I explained to the story to her. She says, you're kidding. He goes, no. And I told her a story about when I, when I was, you know, that was five years pre- previous. So I felt mm-hmm. I could tell her then because I was older. I says, this is what I saw in the woods. And I had never t- said anything until I saw it on TV when they, they had it all over the news about California. And I thought, California, heck, we've got that here. And then that's when I told my mom what I saw in the woods. I said, I saw it, but, but mine was skinny. That's what I told her. I remember mine was similar, but skinny. And when I think of the pictures that I see of faces, you know, like I said, I like try to think of different pieces. It's really funny because I've seen about three or four pictures where I could put pieces together. All of a sudden somebody posted where you can, you can buy a, um, an app where there's like a hologram that goes over your face and it makes you look like a Bigfoot and it's to see what you look oh, like. Gee. A Bigfoot. Oh, 
the guy who was advertising the app, he looked so much like the thing that I saw. It was hilarious. I thought, oh my gosh, there's my Sasquatch, you know? Oh boy. <laughs> because that's how human they are. You're like in the, you know, the eyes and stuff and the nose. And it's so funny because that's how this thing looked, just like the app was put over somebody's face that I saw on Facebook. And I had a laugh. This was just recently. I thought, oh, my gosh, that's so similar to what I saw. You know, (laughs) that's what really cracked me up. But that's when I finally realized, oh, my gosh, I had seen a Bigfoot. And then I kept it quiet. You know, my whole adult life, because people think you're stupid. I mean, I was a professional. I was a school teacher. You know, I was a high school teacher and then uh, I was home for all with my little kids. And then I went back and I worked always in the schools. I was a sign language interpreter. And you're in your community, you know, Little League and all that. You just kind of want to protect your reputation. It's like Sue says she saw Sasquatch. You know, it's like I wasn't going to tell anybody that because nobody would believe me. You know, there was nothing not a whole lot of good information. Everybody thought Bigfoot just kind of walked around by himself and there were like three of them in the country, you know. But with all of these uh, Bigfoot forums and that, it's just really given me the courage to come forward. And one of the reasons why I finally did was because I wanted to find out if there were other people in Wisconsin who saw a Sasquatch type being. I wanted to know, because there wasn't a whole lot written about Wisconsin. And just in the last couple of years, there have been many sightings and um, several of them in the Rhinelander area. There's been a lot of activity in Rhinelander, which is like um, a 30 minute ride from Crandon. It's west of Crandon, straight across the state, you know, straight across because we used to ride to Rhinelander if you want to do major shopping. It was a little bit bigger city. And there's been a lot of activity all over Wisconsin, even in central Wisconsin, which is um, a lot of swamp and open areas. And even as far down as southeastern Wisconsin in the suburban areas, like in the Lake Country areas around here, there's been sightings and there's been people coming out looking at footprints. So they are in, in the state. And um, that was one of the reasons reasons for me posting. I wanted to see if I could get any conversation from anybody who knew or had any experience. So I now, now, did you find anything that was from the same time period? I haven't. Um, that that's been recorded. Uh, the earliest, there's nothing that's like there was no BFRO or anything like that. And I think some of the earliest recordings that I saw were in the seventies. There, there were a couple of them. Um, and then they kind of intermittently after that until you get to like 2000, because people weren't, I don't think people were reporting it. That's what I think. They had no place to report it and people didn't talk about it. People, people were afraid. There's one thing that I'm sorry I didn't do was tell an adult because maybe there was some talk about it then and I didn't know. Because that would have really just saved me a lot of angu- anguish because I really struggled with that because I... I was a, you know, pretty savvy kid. You know, when you're 12 years old, you think you're really grown up, you know. Um, And I really struggled with it my my whole life. You know, I kept it a secret kind of because I didn't think anybody would believe me. And I kind of forgot about it for a while. I kind of buried it because who's going to believe you, you know. Well, Well, what did your mom have to say then when you were 17 and said, hey, that's what I saw? 
she didn't say that there was any talk up there about it, but she, she believed me. She, she said, really? Like she, she just listened. She, it never went much further than that. I don't know if she told my dad or not, but we, I told her I didn't tell anybody because I thought they would say I was lying or I had a creative imagination or I made it up, you know, and I wasn't one to look for attention. I, I was a middle child. We had five kids in the family. You just didn't do that kind of stuff. You know, I, back then, kids kind of went their way and their parents went the other way. You know, kids, we didn't have any, um, a lot of organized sports or anything. So my going up north in the summer was really important to me. And I don't want to ruin that. You know, I, I was very passionate about going up there and being on the lake. And I just, I really enjoyed being up there as much as I could. And um, so you didn't tell people because you didn't want them to think that you couldn't handle yourself, you know? Well, I, and it's a, you know, and you made a good point. If you wonder how many people, because you certainly couldn't have, you certainly couldn't have been the only person this creature even probably came in contact with. Because just the way that it, you remember it interacting with you. Now, and of course, as you're telling the story, look, a bear is not going to come around bushes and hold its paws out and ask you to uh, give it some raspberries or whatever. Uh, a man. I don't know what his hands, what what his gesture meant. It, well, what, I, what? yeah, I know. I'm just, I'm just saying, like you know. Yeah. But a bear is not going to do any of that. Period. You know, you know what I'm saying? A bear's not going to come around and just walk up to a person and just stand there and, and, and five to ten feet away. Bear's going to run away, right. probably. Unless there's good. He a wanted man, a, the, a man who's I'm trying sorry. to a man who's trying to maybe abduct you isn't going to just turn and run away, I would think, out of the middle of nowhere. That's the point where he's going to grab you, put his hand over your mouth and say, be quiet. You know? Exactly. And so... I mean, I think it kind of eliminates even the possibility of, of that, you know. And I mean, that's just my very uneducated guess. But I do. But the one thing that about your story that I think and you've seen it, too, is is how it seemingly was maybe on all fours or crawling till it got close to you and then stood up. And that is a that's a really common um, aspect of a lot of people's experiences or sightings is that these creatures do crawl. I mean, it doesn't look very natural at all, but they will. Uh, how something that big can get down and crawl probably wouldn't look natural, I guess, if you think about it that way. Probably, it's probably not very comfortable. But um, and I that, didn't know that. You know, he he yeah. was very agile. He was he was very agile, very very monkey like very gorilla like in many ways he you know he was fast he was strong you know he was making a lot of noise there he was strong just was snap 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 you know it was like the bushes were rolling i, I thought it i thought it was a bear that was foraging and i like i like i said i couldn't find my voice at the moment you know i was going to make a bunch of noise we were making noise coming in like crazy but then when i was confronted with it and i was all alone and i was tired it was like oh my god I'll just be quiet and maybe it'll go away. I didn't know what to do at that moment. I just, I, I just remember my heart hurting. You know how you get that fear like that. <gasps> and my heart, I remember my heart hurt so bad because I, the fear. And I just, I just stood still. I, I like, I was sh in shock. Like, oh my God, what is over there? And then before I knew it, 
then I thought it was Mike fooling around with me. Mike, that's not funny, Mike, you know. And, and I, think, uh, I, I think I said something to you that ironically, um, you know, they told you to make a lot of noise to keep the bears away. But it seems like kids making a lot of noise is what draws in uh, these creatures out of curiosity. <laughs> so in, a, in an attempt to maybe keep the bears away, you might have drawn uh, drawn this creature to you to check out what was going on. Maybe. I, I really think he, as with my adult mind looking back, I think he was just very, very curious. He wanted to take a really good look at me. That's what I think it was. I was just a skinny little kid. My granddaughter is the same age right now that I was then. She's 12 years old. She's long, lean, thin. You know, she thinks she's so grown up. She thinks she's 21, 25, you know, but she's only 12. Um, I was, she was, I was probably looked very much like her back then. I was probably 90, 95 pounds, you know. Um, I think he just really wanted to take a good look. And like I said, he, the way he turned his head and then I'll never forget that mouth going up like a man without dentures that he made, like a uh, smacked his mouth like that. Yep. Yeah. I know what you're saying. And I'll never forget the nose because I saw the vein, like the raised skin veins. It wasn't red. It was just raised skin on the nose and very leathery. And I just kept saying, I saw some kind of a gorilla man. I it was a, I called him a gorilla man. And I think when I saw the Patterson-Gimlin film, that gave, gave me a lot of peace with it. Maybe that's why I could keep it quiet. And, you know, the funny thing is, I don't know if I, I set up being up north, you know, the area at the time and how, how perfect it was. It was just a perfect playground for kids at the time. Kids don't get to do that much anymore. Everything they're in is organized. You know, we would be gone all day. Sometimes we'd be so hungry because we'd be too lazy to come back home to eat, you know. Well, can you can you imagine sending your 12-year-old granddaughter on the bus uh, yeah. anywhere by herself? To and that was it? even scary because I, re- I was smart enough to know. I think I don't remember if we hit Stevens Point or where we were. You know, it, it's a long ride because you stop at every city, every city, every city. And I can remember the last leg, I was the last person on the bus. Now, that is not help. That's not safe. I was the last person on the bus. We were in the North Woods, and I remember coming really, really late. I don't think I was delivered until about 11 o'clock that night. It was an all-day excursion. And I, the house next to my grandma's was her daughter's. Her daughter built a year-round cabin, and she had triplets. She had three sons that were about 19 or 20 at the time. And one of those boys came to pick me up at the train state at the, uh, the bus station. He had to come and he actually had to wait for me. He was kind of nervous. He was there all by himself. Cause he didn't, we were late even, and he was waiting, waiting, waiting in the dark. And I remember that last leg. Oh my God, I'm the last person on the bus. And I kind of was sitting near the back of the bus and the bus driver said, he must have figured I was scared because it was so dark. And he turned on the lights on the bus and he said, if you're scared back there, you can come up here by me. And he kept telling me, come on up here by me. Well, I didn't want to go up there by him. Because when you're driving through the North Woods, it's pitch black. You know, and you got these big bus windows. Everything's black. You know, everything's black. I remember I kind of moved up, but I didn't go all the way up by him. I was kind of scared being in the bus with him alone because it was late. And I... Even then, I knew I, I never took the bus again. I never took the bus again going up there. 
And that, that was one of the reasons why we kept it quiet because we, I wanted to be trusted to be able to take care of myself, you know, and then to, to, to this day, okay, now I am 72 years old. This is a long time ago. And that's why I just really appreciated you asking me to tell this story because I didn't know if my story would be validated because it was so long ago and people say, oh, she's making it up. She can't remember that far back. She can't remember that, all that stuff. I do. I remember it so well. You remember stuff when you're a kid so well, especially really big things like this. Mm-hmm. And because um, those things are so important in your development. And, you know, just even recently, like, I, you know, I'm not afraid to tell my story anymore. I don't care. I did tell my husband when I met my husband when we were dating. I had taken him up north. I was so excited to take him up there and show him my woods, show him where, you know, grandma lives, show everything, take him all over. And, we were engaged and I just took him everywhere. And I told him the story. He was like one of the first people I had told because I thought, well, I'm going to be marrying this guy. I'll tell him everything. So I, I told him and he believed it. And now he knows that I'm doing the podcast. He supports me on it. You know, we don't talk about it a lot, but he, he knows I'm such a big enthusiast now with the forums and, you know, the TV shows. I enjoy watching it because now everybody's starting to realize that these creatures are out there. They are out there. I know they're out there. There, There's a lot of them, more than people know, I think. And um, we just had a family wedding last summer and I we were outdoors. It was just really wonderful wedding and all the cousins, the next generation. And those kids don't know much about up north. They hear what all of us adults said, talked about because we had so many memories and so much fun. But then when my grandma was starting to fail and when the kids all moved out and they moved in with their dad in Port Washington, they started high school in Port Washington. My mom would make her um, come home by her in the winter and she'd stay with us during the worst months because she, you know, by then she was getting into a wheelchair and then finally she lived with us and they had to sell the house. So those kids really didn't spend time up there. They might've been up there once or twice when they were toddlers, but that second generation, like all of our kids didn't have that experience. So we were all at a wedding together and these kids are all my favorites. I love them to death. They're all married. They all have little kids and the subject of Bigfoot came up. They all laughed at me. I says, well, Bigfoot is real, you know, and they start laughing. I says, well, I just want to tell you guys something. I said, I finally said it. I said, I saw one up in Grandma's Woods. I saw one up in Crandon. And they made so much fun of me that I thought, I'm not even going to waste my breath to <laughs> tell them my story. <laughs> I'm just not going to waste it on them because it's a very precious experience to me now. You know, and it's, it did happen to me. It was just, it was, it changed my life. You know, I, I couldn't well, function you, for weeks when I came you, home. You make sure then... Then when this episode is comes out, you just share it with them and say, here, take a listen to this sometime. I will. And, then- <laughs> and I also want to write like a prehistory so they understand why that was up there and why it was so important and how all the cousins were always up there. Because there was always a cabin for somebody to stay in. If there wasn't enough cabins, somebody would sleep down at the dam. And we all would want to sleep in the tent. And our parents could never understand why we all wanted to go down by the dam and sleep in a tent when we had a cabin to stay in. But, you know, so we had a lot of fun and that was what we had back then. We didn't have, you know, sports and things to do. There wasn't a lot, at least for the girls, there weren't. And I just told them, I said, hey, you guys, I saw one. And when it all comes out, when I'm dead and gone, you're going to say, oh, crazy Aunt Sue. She wasn't so crazy, you know. (laughs) And I just tease them because I just I just didn't want to waste I didn't want to waste all this on them at that moment because they were laughing. They just got a big kick out of it. Everybody's drinking. And I thought this is not the place to tell them. They're just, 
they're just going to make fun of me all night. And, you know, they just giggled and they just looked at me. They all rolled their eyes at each other. And I thought, all right, you know, some people you can tell and some you can't. So a lot of people just don't tell their story because it's easier not to. Um, well, I, well, Susan, I, I'm on behalf of everybody that's listening. I'm just going to tell you, thank you very much for, for feeling like you could come on and, and tell us a story. And I, and I do hope that your family uh, does take a listen and and listens to your story through the through the podcast because then maybe they will come to you and start asking you earnest questions and I mean they have to understand I mean if you're not a person that's going around making up stories <laughs> then why would they think you like would make this one up you know so I do yeah. hope that they uh, give it a chance and and take a listen because I know the people listening. Uh, there's a lot of people and I get messages all the time um, that have experiences and, and are for the same reason you said they're afraid to share. Um, but I do appreciate that you came on and uh, because I do think it helps other people feel better about their experience. Just the same way you saw Patty, you know, say, saw that film and made you feel better about your experience. And you realized you had really, uh, really seen something you know, that was, that was kind of strange and different. So very unusual. But, Better you know. yet. I hope that they get to see one. <laughs> ah, <laughs> one of them will yeah. come to me in secret and say, guess what? I think I saw Bigfoot, you know? <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, on a side note, I did, I interviewed a dad, a guy who, who saw one and his son did nothing, but just give him grief, like whatever. And it wasn't maybe I don't remember the exact time frame, but it wasn't too long afterwards where the son had one and the son called the dad up and said, hey, I, I think I saw one. And the dad, uh, you know, on the interview said, I made him say I saw a Bigfoot <laughs> because I said, what do you what do you mean you saw one? What do you mean you saw one? you saw what? you know what I'm talking about. No, I think you need to tell it, say, <laughs> and so I had them both on. It was pretty, it was pretty funny because, uh, the son was like, yeah, he was right. I, I wasn't, you know, you don't expect it, you know, nobody, nobody expects it. And uh, when it happens, it's quite an experience. And as, as your, as your story indicates, I mean, it happened, uh, 60 years ago for you. So, like I said, I, I appreciate Susan you coming on and sharing your story, and I think it'll be um, it'll be great for people to hear uh, hear it. And I hope your family, um, like I said, I hope they hear this. And I'm going to tell them right now: shame on you for not <laughs> believing Aunt Sue. And uh, I hope you guys, I hope you guys uh, take the time to talk to her about it and uh, <laughs> and learn and learn a little bit more. So thank you. So, so Susan, I hey, I appreciate you coming on, and thank you, thank you so much. And I, you're kind of an inspiration to come on and, and after all this time and, and tell your story. Well, thank you. I tried. I I really wanted to get it out there. I it happened. Something happened to me, and I saw something very unusual. And it, and it, now I feel privileged that I did see it. <laughs> so. I think I hey, listen, you you survived to tell the story. And yes, that's, that's the main thing. So thank, hey, thank you so much. Thank and, you. Uh, I appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the From the Shadows podcast. Until next time, never shy away from the darkness.
or what may be lurking in the shadows. We are out. <laughs> At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%.